Hello and welcome to the Great Southern Grass Matters podcast. I'm your host, James Fremantle, and I have with me today uh, a, a lamb producer from my home territory, Cavendish in Western Victoria, uh, John Gardner from South Mokanja, uh, not South Mokanga as some people say, and uh, we'll be talking all things sustainability from a Great Southern producer's perspective. John, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Terrific. Mate. Now, tell us a bit about your property and uh, about what you're doing there. Give us a bit of an overview, firstly. Uh, so uh, I'm a um, prime land producer from, uh, yeah, from Cavendish. Um, we're on a generational farm here, so I'm fourth generation here. Um, we run an operation of uh, 1,720 hectares um, and run uh, sort of approximately between 10 and 11,000 uh, breeding ewes, so composite breeding ewes. So um, been lucky enough to uh, be able to take over and um, sort of work, work our way through succession. And um, my parents have actually moved off farm and, and uh, been... Oh, it's third year now, run it at the helm, sort of, um, yeah, taking control of the business, which has been really enjoyable. Yeah, terrific. John, and, and give us a little bit of, if you don't mind, a bit of your history. You didn't come straight back from school to the farm. What, what, what did you do? No, um, the plan originally actually wasn't uh, to become a farmer. I was sort of um, steered, steered away and uh, I actually went into uh, construction and did construction management and economics. Um, over in Adelaide and I uh, lived over in Adelaide for six years and um, and worked in the industry in, in residential building for a while um, and then I actually moved up to Sydney and uh, and did um, a little bit larger scale uh, construction up there for a short stint and at that point um, made the decision to head back to the farm which is about five years ago um, which was a uh, Challenging decision, but uh, a very enjoyable one. Um, working through that, and my family have been pretty amazing with that. And I've got a couple of sisters, so working through those kind of um, things as well with succession and um, that. Yeah, so going from uh, Bondi back to uh, Cavendish was <laughs> a bit of a change, but no, it was um, it was fantastic, and I've I've really loved it and love the uh, ag community. I guess in um, being able to upskill quickly and, and learn the ropes and um, very, very humbled and appreciative of my family to give me this opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's been, been a big process, but a very enjoyable one. Well, you're not the first, uh, the, the first country person to be lured back from the, the big city to, to places like Cavendish. I mean, you're on those, the beautiful basalt plains in the, in the shadow of the Grampians or Gary Word. And um, it, it is brilliant soil there. It's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant agricultural environment. What are you doing in terms of um, in, ensuring that there's a long-term viable future on that property, John? Um, a number of things, like I said, I've sort of come from a different background. So I've, I've been working quite hard to try and upskill in that. Um, in the sort of environmental plus production driven system. Um, but I guess also uh, trying to think about sustainability is that um, being here, our family uh, bought this property in 1910. So 110 years on the same type of land. So sort of 
trying to take that mindset and um, and then continue that journey on. Um, I've been we've been trying to work with I guess the whole supply chains and and drawing back on what we can do on farm that can um, better the people that work on farm, including the uh, environmental landscape and then as well as the animals as well. So taking that sort of um, the whole whole supply chain and then whole view of of everyone affected by this farm. So to take that further is sort of we've we've taken a focus on um, on soils, um, pasture, and then genetics in both of those, uh, as well as um, uh, for um, our farm, trying to uh, plant quite a few trees to um, get our number of trees right up. Um, that being aiding in the environmental biodiversity as well as also our um, our sheep and livestock production. So they're some of the key focuses. What sort of numbers there, John, in in, in tree planting and, and what sort of species as well? Are you are you planting species endemic to Western Victoria? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we're we're targeting native species and uh, I won't try and reel off all the names because they are a bit challenging. Um, I was actually looking through there's a it's there's quite a few different ones, but um, a lot of like Malaluca and um, eucalypts and uh, yeah, a, a number of different um, natives. But um, so drawing back, I, I like trying to work to um, to numbers and and definitely talking in the sustainability side of things. I think you need to talk about emissions, and that that is um, a big part of our tree planting um, strategy. So uh, when we talk numbers, we um, there's a few reports and and there's probably a few. Um, different numbers but just to even have a broad view we sort of worked out that a uh, breeding ewe on our property is around 250 kilograms of um, co2 emissions annually as an overhead so we're trying to draw back on that um, on how much a tree will sequester which is around 20 22 kilos um, annually and so we we come out at around 120,000 trees that we're targeting to try and plant and that's to try and plant by um, 2027. So um, we, we're currently trying to plant between eight and 15,000 trees annually. And we have for the last couple of years. So, and prior to that, we had a few, my, my father put a few in as well. So we've, we've, we're, um, yeah, that's our journey to try and achieve that. And that's our um, sort of carbon neutrality goal uh, initially. And that's what we're targeting our tree planting around. Mm. And so you're in that real epicentre of, of uh, early land care, of the Potter farmland plan, a lot of that whole farm planning work that, that was, has been done over decades now. And you don't just do that out of the goodness of your heart, do you? Like, like, I mean, there, there are good reasons to do that that are economic reasons that are, that are based on the sustainability of the land and the sustainability of uh, of your business over time, can you can you talk us through a, a bit of what you see as as those benefits, those real kind of measurable benefits? Yeah, there definitely is, and that that's the best thing about it. And I, I think it's the easiest thing to um to overcome is that once you actually uh, align the uh, production data on having um, tree lines and and um, shelter belts for your livestock. Uh, not only for livestock for for um, pasture production, they they align with um, production goals as well as in increasing production. So, um, uh, yeah, there's there's um, 
being able to well, one increase your lamb survivability because you're slowing the um, the wind speed over that winter period, which is reducing wind chill. Um, that that also is that it, you can actually increase your temperatures within your paddock area. That actually aids the grass as well. So there's a combination of um, a number of things. So that being livestock and grass, and and they're both drivers of production. So um, that's the really simplistic uh, form of it. But it, yeah, for me, it's a it's a real win win, which is is the most enjoyable part of it. Mm. And the, the aesthetic value is is also enormous in terms of the, your your well being, your lifestyle, that sort of thing. Absolutely, and that's one. It's yeah enjoyable to work in a place where you see a lot more um, green around. But there's also data from um, NAB as well that shows an increase in land values for for um, properties that have actually been treed out. So. Yeah, as I say, it's it's far reaching for the benefits, um, not to mention just the the environmental ones. So far, so you've been back there for three years. What have you seen in in that time that that indicates progress? We've probably taken a strategy of um, we used to do a bit of cropping on our property, yep. um, and over that time, we've actually um, reduced our reduced our cropping, and we we targeting in a perennial system. So going into more perennial deep rooted um, like Phalaris and, and a clover mix. Um, and so with the production drivers, I guess we've, we've seen an increase in lamb survival. So we've taken um, our, and, and to be in rough numbers, we've taken our lamb survival um, being around the sort of 75 to 80% survivability from total total fetuses and we've um the last two years we've achieved or last year we achieved 86 percent and this year we achieved 85 percent so um we've still got a way to go i think industry sort of the top industry aligns with about 90 percent or or just above 90 percent which is amazing um and that's yeah that's where we're sort of driving towards so um that's aided with aided with um uh key driver there is being able to reduce our paddock sizes from uh, when I first got here, we had a paddock that was over a hundred hectares. And so now um, majority of our paddocks are down to around 20 hectares. So we've gone from, I think it was about 40, 45 paddocks to 80, uh, 86 paddocks now. So wow, um, those kind of things like, yeah, plus water and, and all of those things have, have sort of aided that. You, you, you've had a bit of, bit of work fencing in the last couple of years then. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done uh, the first couple of years was over over ten k's a, a year, but around that ten k um, each year since I've been home. So, yeah, no, it's it's wow. been it's been a busy time, but it's been good. John, what can you tell me about the sheep sustainability framework steering committee that you're a part of? Um, yeah, so I was uh, lucky enough to be approached to jump on the steering committee, which has been um, put together with. Um, sort of the, the wool industry and the, and the sheep meat industry. Uh, and this is, um, well, it's been a really enjoyable process, it's been a challenging process, um, but a really enjoyable one in, and in that trying to, um, I guess, build uh, some transparency around our industry. As it comes together, it'll be really uh, beneficial for promoting Australia and Australian meat and wool um, going forward and showing that, um, what we are doing uh, 
that we are starting to progress and um, and and have positive change within our industry. So um, I see it as a well, what it what it's designed to be is a is a scorecard for for our industry, not to um, put pressure on anything, but just to identify where um, and aid sort of MLA and AWI to be able to strategically make um, uh, top level decisions for the industry and try and drive us in the right direction. So uh, I see a, po a hugely positive um, benefit for it in the future as we go forward. You said there's a bit of pushback against it. I think the challenge for me, or I say is in the future, if um, to continually look for that progression and, and you've got to think of maybe generational or someone that's been on a farm for 40 years and they've had a system and they've tried to build simplicity in it and they've put a lot of work in behind that. Um, there can be reluctance to change. It's more, it's more about the education. So trying to educate people in why we're doing this and seeing the necessity for it as well. So um, just bringing everyone along, everyone along that journey is, is, I think, should be everyone's key. Hmm. So, John, how did the, the Sheep and Wool Steering Committee come about and, and, uh, and who's been involved in that? Um, so it's been, it's, it's been a, uh, a, quite a big process utilising sort of the beef sustainability framework. So that's, been, that's had a, um, uh, a, a longer history in putting that together and then releasing it. So we've been able to draw on that. And then whilst doing that, we've um, been able to put sort of a... Um, an initial framework together and then that's had a, a huge amount of consultation so that's been out to um to right across the industry in in meat and wool and then uh has even gone further to then go out to public consultation and is currently at the moment i think it's got one day to go so um it's currently out and for anyone to read through and and, and comment and try and um, add anything that is of value and then we will go back to uh, the drawing board and consolidate all of that and then uh, and then have a release soon or, or early next year so um, it's been it's been a big process but it, yeah like I've said it's uh, I think it's a really fantastic um, uh, thing that's been put together and, and will aid our industry and there's a broad range of stakeholders in that process John there's huge depth to the steering committee and the, the industry's done a great job in in sourcing um, people right along uh, all supply chains. So we've got um, a, a range of producers, uh, including sort of um, maternal sheep, as well as as merinos, um, as well right through to um, the like wool broking side and wool selling, as well as um, processing and meat meat processing as well. So. Um, it's there's sort of advocates right along the supply chain, and um, which has built a really good insight to, um, and it, and a really good empathy to um, everyone within the the supply chain of both meat and wool. So, John, once that steering committee's got all the feedback together, collated, and things, what what actually comes out of it? So, um, at the at the end of all of this, it's um, it all gets collated, and then it it gets put together uh, sort of like what I've said um, previously, but puts together as a, as a scorecard um, for our industry. And that, that becomes the framework that will um, be presented to the industry and, and to the broader community to see, see where we are actually sitting as an industry 
on certain items within that framework. So um, such things that flow through as animal health or environmental impacts um, of our industry, uh, also on people and and um, uh, and financially driven things within our industry. So they're sort of the keys keys things that come out of it. But it'll it'll be put together um, to yeah provide a scorecard for our industry to represent um, true tra transparency of where we're sitting. Do you, John? I know you have a, a B and B on your farm. Do you have uh, a lot of people coming who are interested in seeing what you're doing in agriculture and what you're doing in terms of sustainability? Um, it's a bit of a mix. We definitely, I've tried to uh, incorporate uh, information about the farm through the, through the cottages that we have here. And we get the um, majority of people are from probably Melbourne, Melbourne and Adelaide. So um, I've tried to, yeah, um, uh, I've tried to uh, aid that, I guess, um, but you sort of get a mix. So some people are very interested and, and I'll do like a farm tour and they'll ask lots of questions and, and absolutely love it. And then some people like to just come and do the uh, Grampians walk and head back. But um, it's, it's definitely, I think it, it aids our industry in trying to promote a positive um, uh, picture of what we actually do and, um, and give accountability to us as well which, because we get, if you can't answer those questions, it's, um, yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I believe you're also involved, uh, at, at least at a starting point, with the Great Southern Sustainability Framework and, um, and working with Great Southern on improving sustainability throughout the industry and through the Great Southern Program. Can you tell us anything about that, John? Yeah. Um, since I've been back, uh, ABS and, and Great Southern have been, they've been great to me really, um, just to be able to even have an insight to um, seeing the, the full process of, um, of the meat industry and seeing where our lambs go. So um, being involved with them, they've been very transparent to me in, um, in even um, consumer demand and, and uh, things that flow through that. And then also onto like the animal health side of things. So incorporated with um, livestock data link. Um, I got exposed to that quite early and that um, allowed us just to get really good feedback on actually what we're producing, which, um, you know, is the key to what we produce. So if we can change anything on farm that flows through to make it better along the supply chain, it aids everyone along there. So. John, can you give me an example of how the feedback from the Great Southern Program has enabled you to change what you're delivering? Um, yeah, definitely. There's been a couple of different things. One is uh, giving you a, an insight to the lean meat yield and then uh, fat score of your animals. So um, direct feedback of that and whether you're actually in the uh, scope of um, where you're selling your lamb. So um, the, the fat score side of things, were when I first got back on farm, you learn how to condition score on the back of it a ewe and, and the same with the lamb, but then to actually fat score on the ribs for, um, for lambs that are going to the abattoir, um, cannot, you, know, you can identify if your lambs are gonna hit scope or not. So that was a, a, a great feedback. And then the, um, also the, the animal health side of things has been fantastic. So you, you actually get a um, um, direct feedback of whether the lambs have pneumonia or, um, cheesy gland or some of these clostridial diseases so and and they're like an easy uh, or some can be some aren't but um 
can be like just as easy as um, worming your dogs or something like that. So we've um, been able to tidy up a few of those things on farm to try and reduce those. Is it easier than building construction or uh, or, or property development? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, good question. No, look, I honestly see huge similarities um, because we're literally working with you're working with people, budgets, timeframes. Um, there, there's a lot of similarities, but uh, once you put animals and uh, and and um, weather in there, it, it does make it a bit more challenging. I mean. Well, there's an old saying in in television never work with children or animals so um, if, if, if you're farming <laughs> it's pretty it's hard not to. <laughs> thanks very much for your time and for your contribution to the program it's really good to hear about someone with sustainability at the, the forefront in their in their business plan uh, and also producing great products for for great southern um, are those products, and there's a bit of a plug for the uh, the local pub, are those products being sold at uh, at the Bunyip in Cavendish? Uh, I'm I'm not sure they uh, where they exactly source their their beef and lamb. Uh, I, don't, I know they get a little bit locally, so um, yeah, I think there's uh, there might be opportunity to link that up. Yeah, it's a it's a magnificent little pub, and it's got uh, Jimmy Campbell come back. Uh, the great restaurateur come back to the town uh, of his upbringing and bring just an amazing renaissance to that little pub. People coming, flocking from miles to come and see it. It is. It makes it, uh, it, makes it a really enjoyable community to be around, um, having a little hub like that, mm. which, uh, yeah, it is. I can, I can uh, hand on heart say it's absolutely fantastic and it's top level. So uh, I, I encourage anyone to come and have a look. Terrific, John. Thank you. I'll, I'll be up there sometime soon. I hope <laughs> to catch up with you then. All the best and thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks very much for having me, James. That's a pleasure. And don't forget that you can follow us on at Great Southern Family on the socials. And the podcast is available from 2pm every Thursday. Uh, thanks very much for listening. See you next time. <laughs>